John chapter 13, we're going to study together um, this story where Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. A story that many of you growing up in Sunday school or vacation Bible school or youth camp or different contexts, you've heard this story, you've read this story, you've experienced this story. But as a story that we are familiar with, I believe there's some specific things that are inside of this story that God wants us to see this morning and hear from him to then be obedient to. And as we think of this story, this message this morning is entitled, This is the Way. Now many of you, some of you in this room, when I say that statement, you have heard that statement from a popular TV series, and that series has a group of people within the series that basically at the end of the day, if they are going to do something together and do it the way that they feel like it should be done, they say to each other, this is the way. And as I think of that statement and I think about what we're going to see in John chapter 13 this morning, as followers of Christ, if we were to say that statement to each other as a way that you and I should walk every single day of our life, if we were to say something about the way we do that, it would be what Jesus teaches us in John chapter 13. And to begin this time together, I want you to think about this question. Think about this thought. When people look at your life, What example do they see? Begin asking yourself that question this morning. When people look at my life, when people see my life, when my kids watch me at home, when my neighbors interact with me across the street, when my coworkers watch the way that I work and and lead in a a business sense, when my uh, grandkids experience their time with me, what example do they see. And as you think about that question, something happened yesterday in our house that just highlighted that question in my own life, and it was simply this. We have a three-year-old, and her name is Lila Kate. Some of you have seen this little princess that we uh, have within our home, and uh, she is as precious, precious as she can be. We call her our three-nager, okay, which is a three-year-old teenager, okay? That's what she is, and she's 100% all of that. But Lila Kate yesterday was playing Play-Doh at the kitchen table in our house, And as I was sitting there, I was very distracted, not like any other parents in the room, but I was very distracted. I was looking at other things and um, was checking on something else. And here's what Lila Kate said. Look at me, daddy. Look at me, daddy. Look at me, daddy. Look at me, daddy. And she kept saying those words until I did what? Looked at her. And as I experienced that moment yesterday with Lila Kate, here's the thought that came to mind as we think about this uh, message this morning. Even if we're not looking at someone else, someone's looking at you. Think about that for a second. Even if you're not looking, I was not paying attention to Lila Kate one bit. Even though I wasn't looking at her, she was looking at me. She was looking at me and wanted me ultimately again to see her. So when people look and see your life, what example do they see uh, through you? We're going to look together this morning at John chapter 13, this story again of where Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. We're going to read verses 1 through 17 together and unpack a few things this morning. If you'll stand with me as we read and honor God's word As we do on a weekly basis, we'll begin our time together at the text again. John 13, verse 1 says this. 
Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now when it was time for supper, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew, that's an important statement, Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God and that he was going back to God. Verse 4, so he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel and tied it around himself. Next he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with a towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter who asked, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him in verse 7 and said, What I'm doing you don't realize now, but afterward you will understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. Jesus replied, If I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. One who is bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet, but he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. Then verse 12. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. Verse 17, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we ask this morning that you would uh, speak clearly through it, that you would open our hearts to hear from you, then strengthen us to be obedient to what you're calling us to do. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. This morning, as we think of our time together in these verses in John chapter 13, I want to share with you a main idea that I hope as you leave today is something that you're reminded of. I hope that this is something that you think of come Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday at work or in your neighborhoods with your friends or wherever you find yourself. I hope that this main idea resonates and is something, again, and is something to hold on to. And it's simply this, on your handout there in your outline in the worship folder, you can write this next to main idea. See the example, be the example. For you and I as followers of Jesus today, our hearts should be to see the example. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute, John 13 and of Jesus. But then secondly, our hearts should be to walk in obedience and be the example. See the example that Jesus laid for us and then say, God, strengthen me to follow that example and be obedient in my area of influence, in my area that you've placed me when it comes to my life. Now, John chapter 13 through John chapter 17, many scholars tell us and believe that this is kind of like Jesus' farewell message, his time where the disciples, where he spent with them and prayed with them and talked specifically about some things to them. But he also, in John 13, these verses we just read, showed them something specific, and we're going to talk about that 
in a minute. This is also the same time where Jesus would have entered Jerusalem on the Sunday prior um, in preparation for all that would come as he would be arrested and tried, taken to the cross, and, and the details there that we understand that would happen uh, at, at that moment. And as we think of this as well, though, Jesus would have spent, up until this point, two to three years with these disciples, a lot of time together. They'd have been in his presence, and again, his presence at the end of the day is what helps us and guides us to experience what he wants us to on a daily basis. But there's three kind of thoughts that fall in line with us this morning as we think through what does it mean to see the example to then be the example. And the first is this, on your handout there, number one, the example shown. We see at the very beginning of this context the example shown. Jesus shows the example to the disciples. And we know that he does that by washing their feet. And we see that as he even says it in John 13, verse 15, where he says, For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done. Now, here's the deal. We know this. Jesus taught many things. Jesus taught and shared many things that he wanted the disciples to do. But Jesus was tremendous at this as well in the thought of servant leadership and the thought that he didn't just teach it, he showed it. And in this story, Jesus makes it clear what he desired for his disciples um, to be obedient in. And there's a few simple thoughts underneath the point number one as you think about the example shown that I think we see that Jesus shows us. The first is this, he shows us an example of love. An example, this is letter A under number one uh, right there. The example of love. It says this, having loved his own, John 13 verse 1, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. That word in the original language there in the Greek, to the end, should better be translated to the limit. Jesus, to the depth of who he was, loved the disciples at the, the deepest part that he could. There's a shift here in the writing of John chapter uh, 13 through 17, and that shift takes place because in the first 12 chapters of the book of John, Jesus, uh, or John writes and uses the words life and light. But in chapters 13 through 17, there's a major shift to the word love. And it's the Greek translation agape, unconditional love. And so from the very beginning in this story, we see that the example to be seen through the life of Jesus was an example of love. It was an example of deeply loving, listen closely to this, deeply loving people where they were. Think about it for a second. Jesus washed all of the disciples' feet. He knew what was going to take place. He knew what would happen. He knew who would betray him. But out of a depth of his love for them, he showed them what it looked like to be a true follower of, of Jesus and a follower of God and be a person of love. Think about this question. Have you ever been with someone that just loved you for you? You know, love has conditions in our world today. But what we're talking about here in this example of love that we see through, Je through Jesus had no conditions. He loved the disciples where they were. 
You know, that kind of love reminds me of a, my great-grandmother that used to live with my grandparents, and we would go visit them and always eat good food at your grandparents' house, you know what I mean? And so as we ate that good food, we'd get ready to go, and we'd spend time talking and all that kind of stuff, and I'd always go see my great-grandmother, and I remember as she got older, she had to kind of stay put in her chair. Y'all kind of know how that is. She had her chair. Some of you have your chair already, and you're like, I'm a, nobody touches my chair. But she had her chair, and I'd go see her in her chair, and I'd bend over, and I'd wrap my arms around her, and I would hug her, and I'd put my face right up next to her face, and she'd kiss my cheek, and she'd whisper in my ear, and she'd say this, I love you. Every time it happened, she said, I love you. And in that moment, I knew that at the end of the day, it didn't matter if I just told her I enjoyed that peach cobbler or not, she loved me. It didn't matter if I came in on good terms or not so good terms or different things that happened, she loved me right where I was. And so for you and I today, that's the question, that's the thought as we begin to think about that. What does the example of love look like in your Life. How well are you and I loving the people right where they are that's around us? So we see an example of love, but secondly, we see Jesus in these verses of John chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, show us an example of sacrifice. An example of sacrifice. John 13, verse 4, it says this, He got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, and tied it around himself. Now, for some of you in this room, sacrifice would be you, much like me, getting up from supper. You with me? <laughs> you with me for a second? Like, I'm, not, I'm, I'm eating my food when I'm ready for my food until I've finished my food, okay? But Jesus, it says, got up from supper. He didn't just get up from supper. He went, though, and laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, and tied it around himself. And in the New Testament days, foot washing was a fundamental courtesy of the host that would be performed, listen to this, by the lowest of servants. So Jesus was the last person in the room that should have been the person washing the feet of the disciples, an example of sacrifice. We know this sacrifice as we think of Philippians 2 where it says he sacrificed and gave himself in a life of humility all the way to the cross but also during that day and time they didn't have bathtubs just to turn the faucet on and let there be thing, the stuff that they need to wash the feet it would have been a sacrifice for the host and there's so much sacrifice that we see in this as Jesus models this example for you and I to live this lifestyle listen to this statement that one scholar said the father had put all things into the son's hands Yet Jesus picked up a towel and a basin. Do you hear that? It said that in the scripture, that everything had been given to Jesus. But Jesus, yet in that moment, sacrificed himself, sacrificed his status, sacrificed where he was, and picked up the towel and the basin. Jesus was willing to sacrifice where he needed to impact the world that he lived in. So for us, seeing the example this morning is to see the example of love, but also see the example of sacrifice. And this is not something that comes easy for me personally. I like my stuff. You with me? I like it when I like it. I like it how I like it. 
But there will be moments in time where I believe Jesus is calling and leading you and I as his followers to be an example for his glory, that he's gonna tell us to do something that's not gonna fit when we want it to fit. But to truly be that follower of Jesus that says yes, that says whatever and whenever and however, it's gonna have to be a lifestyle and an example of sacrifice that we're gonna be willing to give and let go to then receive. Think about that. Jesus had everything in his hands, but he let go of all of it to then sacrifice and pick up that towel, pick up that basin to be this example of humility. You know, when you think about that, I think about this church and I think about many of uh, you in the room, you do that on a weekly basis. I love the, the baptisms this morning of two children, one in the first service and the, one in the second service, that uh, made a decision to follow Jesus through vacation Bible school. Many leaders and adults sacrificed to give their time to hang out with young kids and to do crafts and to do funny motions and music and all the things that go with that. And because of that sacrifice, the Lord worked and the Lord moved. And so think about this question when you think about the example of sacrifice. Are you and I willing to sacrifice where we need to impact our world? Are we willing to do that this morning? To say we're willing to put aside our own self, our own pride, our own desires to influence and impact the world we live in. What is God calling you to sacrifice today? I can't answer that question for you. I can only answer for myself. What is it that he's calling you to sacrifice? Time, energy, resources, those kind of things. What does that look like for you? So we see the example shown. We see that it's an example of love and an example of of sacrifice, and then lastly, underneath number one right there, we see that Jesus shows us ultimately the exam- an example of service. An example of service. Now here's the deal. Jesus did not just tell them to go and wash the feet. No, Jesus got up from the table and actually washed the feet. Now, it's easy for me to love and lead teenagers and tell them what they need to be doing. The harder part is for me also to actually do it. And that's what Jesus showed right here. It was an, an example of service. He put his uh, actions where his mouth was, and he began to act upon what he wanted them to see. It says in verse 5 of John chapter 13, he poured the water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and dry them with the towel that was tied around them. Again, Jesus did not just in that moment talk about it. He did it. Actions in this, in our world today, listen closely to this, actions in our world today mean so much more than just words. I love hanging out with teenagers. I love talking to teenagers. I love hearing what's going on in their life. But here's one thing about this generation of teenagers that's been different than a lot of others. They can see really quickly who's real and who's not real. As you talk with them, they can tell really quickly if your actions and you mean what you say that you're going to mean. And you mean and do what you say that you're going to do. Think back again to this thought. The depth here of Jesus when he served the disciples. Listen to this quote. It says that Jesus at the feet of a traitor. What a picture. What lessons for us. 
Jesus was willing to serve and act upon what he was calling and leading the disciples to do, even to the person in the room that was the hardest to serve. He knelt down at that feet, the feet of Judas, and to wash his feet, knowing that in just a few moments, Judas would leave and all the context that would happen right there. The depth of the service of Jesus was seen as he knelt at the feet of the traitor. You know, as you think about people serving other people, I shared with the first service and many that were in that service sat and taught me in Sunday school classes here in this church. And I had to be careful saying this, but I just went ahead and told them this. I said, you know, I don't remember a lot of what some of you in this room taught me. Are you with me for a second? Like, I don't remember the lesson. <laughs> that was probably not the best thing to tell your old Sunday school teachers, but I don't remember the lessons. But what I do remember is the way you served me. I do remember the way you gave of your time to sit and talk to me. I remember the way that you gave of your uh, house and invited my group of 11th and 12th grade boys into your home, which is a dangerous thing, okay? 11th and 12th grade guys into your home. I remember when you gave of that house and let us come and the house was ours. I remember where you had high school guys over to your house and at the end of the day, you just had a lot of food. <laughs> and I remember sitting at your counter and talking about what I was going through and I remember the struggles and how you were there for me. So this thought of an example of service that Jesus shows in John chapter 13 right here, if I could encourage us all to think about, goes a long way with our generation, the people, and where we're living right now. So we see, again, as we think about this thought of see the example, we see that Jesus clearly shows us the example. An example of love, an example of sacrifice, an example of of service. But then secondly this morning, number two on your handout, we see this interesting thing happen. Number two, the example questioned. The example questioned. The example questioned. Now I think a lot of us in this room can relate to Peter because Peter questions, again point number two, the example questioned. Peter here in verse six Ask Jesus this question, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Now, as I've read through this and studied this and processed this myself personally, I couldn't help but think about this thought. How many times have I felt God calling me to do something or telling me to do something or to be an example for him and his glory, and I questioned God in the midst of that specific thing? And then I thought about this. How much have I missed God working in my life because me questioning what he is wanting me to do and wanting to do through me in my life? I feel like we can so relate to Peter right here. Where Peter's saying, are you going to wash my feet as well? But then look at verse 7. I think verse 7 is a, a verse that for us in our culture today, a verse that we can hold to and believe and, and just let it be something that God uses in our life as we walk through the different things that we face. Jesus answered him in verse 7, What I'm doing, you don't realize now, but afterward you will understand. 
Think about that for a second. In the midst of you and I questioning the way God is working and what he's doing and why he's doing it the way that he's doing it, God is looking down from heaven, I believe, and saying to us this morning, what I'm doing you don't realize now, but you will afterwards understand. We see in this context of John chapter 13, there's a different word that's used for wash. Wash, originally in the first few verses of John 13, is the word in the Greek that means to literally wash a certain body part. So wash the feet, just the feet. Well, later in John 13, we see that the translation changes to the the reality of washing your entire body. And so what that helps us see in this context of Peter questioning the work of God and how Jesus is doing what he's doing in that moment is to understand this. Jesus, at the end of the day, for the life of the disciples, was more concerned about their holiness than anything else. He was more concerned about the disciples walking with him, experiencing him, and doing what he wanted them to do for his honor and for his glory than anything else. And so as we think about that, as we question God as he's at work around us, we have to come to the place to realize and be reminded that what God is doing is far greater than our understanding. Jesus was working in this context for the internal uh, change of the disciples and for the kingdom. And a lot of times, Peter, and like us, we are questioning and all of our questions are surrounded by the external. All we see is what's right in front of us. But God, in the middle, though, listen closely to this, in the middle of our questioning, I want to encourage us to be reminded this morning, is that God is doing so much more than we can think. The way he's working is so much more than what we can understand. And we can trust verse 7 when it says, what I'm doing you don't realize now, but afterwards you will understand. Now, many of you in this room have been on a road trip when we think of this kind of thought of trusting God we've been on a road trip with little kids and for us with eight-year-old as the oldest in our house and seven-month-old as the youngest in our house as we think about our road trips they get a little crazy first off if you ever leave the house you better be ready you got to pack the whole house to go um, with with you to be ready for the trip but it doesn't take long, and this even happens when I get to go on trips with your teenagers in the room, which is so much fun because I just call them a part of our, our big friends and part of our family and a part of our kids as well. And they just look at you and they say, are we there yet? You with me? You've been there before? Are we there yet? And they ask the question, are we there yet? And they ask it, and they ask it, and they ask it, and they ask it, and they keep on asking it. And finally, as a father, it gets to the place where you're tired of them asking. And you just say, don't worry about it. We're not there yet. I will tell you when we're there. I know no other dads have been here ever said that. And then you say these words, trust your father. Think about it in the context of God working in your life. Sometimes we ask the question, God, what are you doing? God, this makes no sense. You want me personally to talk to that person that I have nothing in contact with? You want me, to my family, to go and talk to this family, invite them over for dinner, and I don't even really know these people. You want me to 
speak up at work because some things going on at work are really not the way they need to be going and as far as the way that honors you and glorifies you. We question them, but God's just saying, trust me. I'm a perfect heavenly father that has a plan for you in that moment that I just desire for you to say yes and for you to be that example. See the example I've given and then, then that thought that we've already said, be the example. So the example was shown as an example of love, of sacrifice and service. Then we see Peter question the example. But then thirdly, as we wrap up this morning, we see the example explained. Number three on your handout and your outline this morning, the example explained. The example Explain. Jesus didn't leave him there. He didn't just act upon this example. He didn't let Peter just question the example. No, he clearly, verses 12 through 17, explains the, exa- the example to the disciples. In verse 12 specifically, as we begin, there's a statement that says, He reclined again and said to them. Now this goes back to what Bradley and them led us through this morning. This goes back to what we mentioned at the very beginning of our time together is that he reclined uh, with them. And then in that context of scripture, and, and, and if you would find yourself at a place with dinner or something like that, and you would recline with the people that you were with, it meant that you were in the greatest level of their presence that you could be in. And that those people were of great importance to you. And so Jesus had spent this important time with them. And the disciples, again, don't miss the importance that the disciples had been with Jesus. Because out of the overflow of their time with Jesus was what was going to propel them to live this example out in their life. But Jesus goes on and says in verse 14, So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Then verse 15 says, For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. So there's this kind of shift that happens where Jesus begins to share with them and explain to them the reason he did what he did. And one of the main shifts that we see is with the language and the wording there that goes directly back to that word of how uh, the word wash would be translated. And secondly, it was to the place where it was the washing of the whole of the body. And again, Jesus' shift here in helping them to understand the example they were to live had more to do, again, with their holy walk, their walk with him. Now, some of you are very excited about this and this thought that Jesus, the reason he did this was not to create a great church that were really good at washing the feet of people. Now, some of you in this room, you're like, I don't like feet, so thank you, Jesus, that that's the case. His goal wasn't to create followers of Christ that were really good at washing uh, the feet of people. No, his goal was to create disciples. And in verse 16 of John chapter uh, 13 right there, the word messenger is the same word in the Greek language we get the word apostle and disciple from. And his goal ultimately was for you and I to be followers of Jesus that were disciples of Jesus, that were serving, loving, sacrificing so that we could impact the world around us and allow them to be changed by who God was. So our sacrifice, our example at the end of the day was not necessarily about anything other than the impact of the world. The service that we 
give and the service that we daily walk throughout our life is all about God using us in a dark world to allow there to be light to be seen. And that light is centered in the goodness of the gospel of who Jesus is. I read this quote recently from a book. It says this, The gospel is the greatest news in all the world. It meets the greatest need in all the world. And we must work hardest at making it known in all the world. Let me read that one more time. The gospel is the greatest news in all the world. It meets the greatest need in all the world. And we must work the hardest at making it known in all the world. How do we do that? By seeing the example of Jesus and by then in turn saying, God, use me to be that same example. As we close this morning, I want to share a story that kind of hopefully brings all this together and puts us at a place to leave this room to walk in obedience to what God's calling us to do. Growing up, me and my dad would spend a lot of time together outside, and one of the things that we would spend time doing was going deer hunting. From very early age, I loved to deer hunt. Still to this day, love to go deer hunting and spend that time with my dad. Well, I don't tell everybody this, okay? Y'all hear that for a second? I don't tell everybody this. But when I was younger, and I would spend time going deer hunting with my dad, at the very beginning of that time that we started going hunting, I was scared of the dark. Okay, there you go. You know a secret about Chase? You can now let everybody know that I was scared of the dark. Well, being scared of the dark was a little interesting as you would go hunt in the early mornings before the sun come up. And so dad and I would wake up very early. We'd load up a truck. We'd go down to the hunt land. We'd get ready to go and to where we were going, and we'd get out of the truck to walk through the woods. Well, the woods, there would be no sun. It'd just be pitch black, and you can't use a flashlight, right? Because the deer will run away from a flashlight. So we're just walking through the woods, and I would be scared to death. Those first few times were really, really rough. And here's what would happen. My dad would lead the way, okay? He was right in front of me. He'd walk right in front of me, and I didn't let him get far. He was right in front of me. And what would take place is dad would take a step. My goal was then to do what? Step right where he just stepped from. You with me? Like he just, his foot just left right here and I'm stepping here. And then his foot left over there and I'm stepping here. Exact steps taking right after my father. Well, why would that be the case? Well, because in that situation and in that moment for me, my father represented someone of comfort. My father represented someone of safety. My father represented someone that knew what he was doing. And in my mind, in that, in that scenario, I could trust him fully and knew that he was going to get me to where he wanted me to go. And as you and I think of John 13 this morning, of seeing the example and being the example, we have a heavenly father in relationship with him through his son Jesus that gives us each step to take. Each step for you and I to take and the way he wants us to take it, when he wants us to take it, and how he wants us to take it. And he's a heavenly father that's a father of love, a father of joy, a father of comfort, a father of power, and a father that in that context wants us to get to where he wants us to be for the goal of us being a disciple that's changing the world through the goodness and for the glory of who he is. 
Listen to this verse. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 says this. For you were, call, you were called to this because Christ also suffered you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Let me read it one more time. 1 Peter 2, 21. For you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. So this morning, see the example be the example, an example of love, sacrifice, service. Think about these questions. Where are you today? Maybe this morning, you're here this morning and you've never seen the example. The greatest understanding of this example in John chapter 13 was leading to Jesus to go to a cross. The ultimate love, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate service would be Jesus humbling himself to die upon a cross. Maybe this morning you've never made that decision to follow Jesus and you haven't seen that example and for the first time you're ready to make that decision and we'll have a time of invitation in just a minute for that. Secondly, this morning, maybe you're questioning the example. That's the question to ask yourself. Am I questioning the example? God, what are you doing? God, why is this happening? Can we go back to verse seven and just know that what I'm doing, Jesus said for you, you don't realize now, but afterwards you will understand. And then thirdly, are you being the example? God's placed you where you are for a reason, where you live, work, and play, to be the example of love, sacrifice, and service. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, thank you for your word and how it teaches clearly for us to grasp and to understand and the desire that you have for us as your followers to be obedient. And so, God, above everything this morning, our heart and our desire is to say yes. God, I pray that that's the united desire for each person in this room. God, whatever you're calling us to do, wherever you're calling us to go, the the direction and the things that you want us to do, the example that you want us to set, our desire is to say yes. God, move during this time of invitation. God, speak to our hearts. And God, help us again to be obedient to what it is that you're calling us to do. It's in the power of the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me for a moment this morning? We're going to wrap our time up together the way we do on a weekly basis, wherever you are in this room or online as well. We have an opportunity to respond. Most important thing in timing is when we meet with God, that we respond with a heart of yes to what he's calling us to do. The first response and way to, uh, to do that this morning is to follow Jesus. Maybe you're in the room or you're watching online and you've never again understood the example of Jesus. You've never come to a place where you understand and understood that you're a sinner and that because of your sin, you've been separated from God. But the story of the gospel is is good news because God loved us where we were. We talked about that already. God loves you right where you are. And the Bible says, if you'll confess Jesus as your Lord and believe in your heart, he's who he says he is, you will be saved. So in just a moment, as Bradley leads, Bob and myself will be down front. Love to have a conversation with you about following Jesus. Secondly, this morning, maybe you need to come to this altar because you're questioning God. It's not making sense right now. You're really not knowing what's going on and you just wanna seek his face in prayer and say, God, help me to trust you in the midst of whatever it is you're calling me to do. 
Also, maybe you need to come to this altar. If you're real and honest, you'd say, Chase, I'm not being the example. When my kids look at me, when my grandkids look at me, when coworkers see me, they don't see the example that Jesus showed in John 13. And maybe you need to come to the altar this morning and pray and say, God, help me to be the example through your power, through your strength that you're calling me to be. Maybe you you want to join our church, we'd love to have that conversation with you or you feel God leading you and calling you to be baptized. Love for you to come forward again in just a moment as Bradley sings and say yes to whatever it is that God's calling you to do.